0: Welcome to Cowboy Church, with your host, Russ Weaver, and Susie McIntyre. So sit back and enjoy some good singing, some great testimony, and some good preaching. Welcome to Cowboy Church.
1: Welcome to Cowboy Church. I'm Susie McIntyre.
2: And I'm Russ Weaver.
1: And we are so glad that everybody's here. We get to have this opening at
2: my house. We're standing in front of Susie and Mark's house. Mm -hmm. Mark gave me this cup of coffee and he told (laughs) me this at the Cornerstone Uh Church. Yep. um, He said this is the best coffee in the county.
1: Oh, it is. Absolutely. It's right. Well, you live down around Fort Worth, you know, I mean, you should really have some great coffee down there. We have
2: coffee everywhere there, Uh but up here, it's far, few, Mm -hmm. few and far between, but it wouldn't matter. This is still good coffee. Well,
1: it must be because of the scenery. I mean, look around us here right now. We've, uh, We've got Pittsburgh County up there and we're in Atoka County, Oklahoma. This is the best of Oklahoma, if you ask me.
2: Well, we did. And so this must be the best coffee in three counties, it sounds like. <laughs> exactly
1: right. Exactly right. Cowboy Church. A lot of people ask me, what is Cowboy Church? Now, Russ, when we first started in ministry, we would go out, you would rodeo, you'd rope. I was married and he would he would do the steer wrestling. Our kids rodeoed in high yeah. school. They rodeoed in college. Listen, folks. Wherever there's a rodeo, where there's ever cowboys, you can have a cowboy church now because it says we're two or four more gathered together, you know. Yeah. You, you're together sure. in fellowship. But we've also got this thing called Cowboy Church on RFD-TV and the Cowboy Channel. So here we are, and we're going to go to Cowboy Church.
2: Yeah, Susie, do you know why you and I get to get to host Cowboy Church on why? RFD? Why? Well, first of all, your name is McIntyre, and that helped us a lot. <laughs> well, we some, have
1: the background. Sure. Yes.
2: And the second thing is, is nobody was doing this before we started. <laughs> exactly. We
1: kind of had that I idea, did. didn't we?
2: As young and beautiful as Susie looks, and doesn't she look gorgeous? <laughs> um, she's been here for quite. a She's a I, seasoned veteran to this cowboy I church thing, and uh, man, it's been it's been a lot of years, wonderful years. Our great culture, our great life, and and God has allowed us to take ministry Mm -hmm. to the cowboy culture, whether it's ranching, farming, play day, whatever you got, That's right. man, it's a it's the greatest culture, I believe, in the whole world.
1: Well, it just goes from generation to generation, doesn't it? Yeah. Because we're seeing great-grandchildren of people of our parents, you yeah. know, down there they're in the competition, there at the National Finals Rodeo, they're at Houston and San Antonio, and by golly, sometimes it's hard for me to know who they are. <laughs> it is, it is.
2: But when they say their names, oh, I know their yeah. grandparents.
1: Uh, I, I, <laughs> I can understand <laughs> now why my daddy used to say, who was your grandpa yeah you know exactly. and so i uh, we're kind of getting to that okay we've told everybody how old we are so let's skip all of that we've got some singing we've got some really really good teaching of the gospel and uh so we just want to invite you to come on in let's go to cowboy just Church. go
2: get you a good cup of coffee that'll <laughs> help <right>. everything work
1: <laughs> oh there's
3: power power there's one in the blood of the light, oh, there's power, there's power. Well, there's wonder working power in the precious blood of the light. Oh, can you put your hands together with me? Well, there's power. Well, there's power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you, or evil, a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Would well, there's power? In the blood of the lamb, yes, there's power, power, wonder-working power. In the precious blood of the lamb, whoa, victory, and Jesus, my Savior. blood told me. And then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And he saw
1: somebody, would you? Invite them to breakfast tomorrow morning. That's what you can do. Oh,
3: will fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away you And time should be no more when the morning breaks, eternal bright and fair. And when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Will you be there when the roll is called? Let's give him a round
0: of applause. Just worship with me for just a minute as we get into Cowboy Church this evening. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were. Well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were.
4: I'm sure to honor you In all I do
0: I honor you Just honor him tonight, ladies and gentlemen I'm forgiven Because you were forsaken I'm accepted You were condemned I'm alive and well Yeah,
4: We're
2: So what I want, what I want to know is is at what point does it turn from practice into you're there? Well, truthfully, you never really arrive there until you get to heaven. That's just part of it. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, in order for us to be the kind of people God wants us to be to accomplish what he's assigned us to accomplish, we have to become the real deal. second one is this. This is how it happens. It says, I love this. This is so simple. You can walk out of here and never, you probably can't remember all the stories, but you can, you can remember these two things. God hates hypocrisy. We don't like it. We need to become authentic. The second thing is that God hates sin and we need to join him in our hatred for sin because of what it does and the destruction that it causes to people and to yourself. So abhor evil, hate what God hates. At what point do I genuinely despise what sin does to me and to others? I had a, a lot of you have heard this story, but we have half again more people in the church than what we had uh, a year ago at this time. So I know some of you haven't heard this story. When we started the the racetrack chaplaincy in Omaha, Nebraska, we're working with some people. And one of the guys at the track, he had gone to a party. He had drank himself to excess. He had a .2 something or other. I think it was a .27. He is next to just completely gone. And so he wanders out on what was left of his walking ability in front of a Cadillac, and the Cadillac runs over him. And sends him to the hospital and they call me. So I go to him and he's mad. I was the chaplain there. So he was mad because of the Cadillac lady running over him. Like it was her fault. And I tried to talk with him. And I mean, I couldn't get through. It was, it was like. I just couldn't get through. So the track, the people of the track, they're a little fraternity on the backside of the racetrack. And they, they let him stay in the tack room. He, he puts him a little cot in there and he's, he's staying in the tack room. They bring him food to take care of him. And one day he's still kind of on crutches. I mean, he's in a walking deal, but he has a one crutch, you know, that kind of a deal. And, uh, He gets drunk, and so he gets mad because he's been offended. He gave him a reason to get drunk. So because he's offended, he goes down the stable doors and starts opening the stalls and letting horses out of the stalls, these high-dollar racehorses. And so the only thing they can do is they rule him off the track. He is a really good guy if he's not drinking. But when he drinks, so the, the security guard calls me, and he says, hey, Russ, we gotta do something about this guy. Can you come see what you can do? And so I showed up there. He held him at the front gate. He had one duffel bag of clothing, alcohol, and so ruined his life. All he owned was a duffel bag of clothes. And I said, what are you gonna be doing? He goes, well, I'm gonna go see my girlfriend. I said, that's not a good choice, but all right. And then it hit me what I need to do. So I grabbed his clothes everything he owned. I put it in the back of my truck and I said, I gave him my address and I said, uh, when you need your clothes back, give me a call. And I drove off. I took his clothes. And uh, so sure enough, that night he gets drunk again because he's got his feelings hurt. And the chaplain stole his clothes. And uh, (laughs) he calls me. Two o'clock in the morning. Now, I live 20 minutes one side of the racetrack. His drunkenness is taking him 20 minutes to the other side of the racetrack. So there's 40 minutes in there for me to develop an inner dialogue that was worthwhile. And I failed miserably. By the time I got to him, I was mad. No, I was really mad. I found him in the parking lot of a pizza hut. He gets in the truck, I get him in the truck, lock the doors, and I say these words, you've got to be the stupidest person I've ever met in my life. I mean, there's, there's kind of starting points that you can kind of roll off of. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, whoa, well, chaplain, how can you say that? I said, well, it's really easy. I said, you start drinking, and because you're drinking, you step out in front of the Cadillac and you blame the lady driving the Cadillac when it's your fault, as your alcohol's got you thinking wrong. Then, people that love you and want to take care of you and and are working with you, you get mad because of your alcohol, because you're drunk again, and let their horses out of their stalls. I said... You've got to be the dumbest person in the world. And now, not only has alcohol taken everything you have and destroyed everything about your life, you go back to it and nurse it like it's your best friend. You're the dumbest cluck I've ever been around. He says, Chaplain, how can you say that? Do you not ever make mistakes? And I said, I certainly do. I said, but the difference between me and you is I hate them and you love them. Guys, there's a truth in that. You have to hate sin. You have to hate sin because if people are not careful, they continue committing sin until they begin to identify with the sins and they become sinners. And when they become sinners, what that means is they have chosen to not allow God to be a blessing and a nurturer in their life, but they want him out of the way so that the devil can have his way with them. And the devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy, and it's never anything good. And as long as we allow sin without having a hatred for sin, we're just opening up the door so the devil can have his way with them. So what point do I genuinely despise what sin does to me and others? We gotta choose someday or the other that we're gonna quit toying with sin and quit playing with sin and start hating sin and identifying for what it does. And it steals, it kills, it destroys. It's part of the devil's playground. The last thing it says, cling to what is good. I I looked at this word because I know cowboys use this word a lot. They say, get a hold, And they say with a T on the end, get a hold. So I thought, well, maybe there's a, maybe there's a definition in the, and I Googled it and I looked around and looked around and looked around and finally I looked under cowboy definitions and I found one that it says, get a Holt. And it, all it was, was a video of a bull rider. No definition, no words. This is it. Get a Holt. Well, I, I wish I had some words to tell you about this, but all I can tell you is, that guy on that bull, one of the safest places he can be is on top of the bull at that point. Because when he starts to get off of the bull, the bull is going to have his way with him. The bull's going to stomp him. He's going to run over him. He's going to... You want to stay on top. You want to get a hold. Now, the Bible, all it's saying here about good, it says, get a hold of what's good. Just get a hold of it. So, so... Then the concept hit me about the old cowboy concept, never sell your saddle. And I'm going to tell you this because I sold my saddle, my good one. Sometimes when you're broke, you make bad decisions. Sometimes when you're down, you make bad decisions. And what he's saying here, when you're making decisions, get a hold of what is good and hold on to it. Hold on to it. There's some things that you... Now, I don't care if you sell your saddle or not, but you understand the concept. You don't want to sell something that is important to you and what God has called you to do. Don't give that up because it takes away your ability to be effective for the kingdom of God. Never sell your saddle. At what point do we just get a hold and we decide we're not going to let go anymore? So many, so many people live life like this. But someday... You just got to decide I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it right because there's a lot of help out there that will help you if you just decide to do the right thing. Do the right thing every time the right way. Cling to what is good. And in closing, I love this in closing because what is seen on the outside should accurately reflect what is on the inside. When the Bible says, let your light so shine before men, the reason he wants your light shining before men so that they can see your good works and glorify God, which is in heaven.
1: Thank you for your support for Cowboy Church. It's been wonderful to see the financial uh, support come in. You can write to us at the address shown on your screen right now. we love to hear from you. And we'll see you next time on Cowboy Church.